Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? What's your favorite scary movie? I'm going to scare the hell out of you. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. They're coming to get you, Barbara. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Welcome to Fright Night. Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Shed. This week, we're covering the 40th anniversary of The Thing. the thing well for those of you that do not know this is based on a novella by john w campbell um called who goes there and there was a movie in 1951 called um the thing from another world and then a bajillion years later after the thing well after the 1982 thing which is what we're celebrating and speaking about today there was the 2011 prequel called the thing the thing they didn't even bother trying to change the name thing (laughs) you think they could have done something before the thing outpost four or whatever it was for the norwegian camp i forget but yeah they could have done something but no they just the thing this is a John Carpenter film. Which, you know, we all love him. Woo! And I can't believe 40 years have gone by. I mean, I can and I can't. This is one of the few films, in my opinion, that still holds up till today because they use practical effects and it still looks freaking amazing. 
with the exception of the opening, which I wish they would tweak with the saucer. Yeah, and the only other thing that really doesn't hold up for me is a couple of shots where they're standing, looking down at the crashed saucer in the ice. Yeah. It's very clearly a matte painting. But at the same time, it it was 40 years ago, so I'm willing to give them a little slack on that one. You yeah, know? it's fine. It still looks fantastic. Like, the... That, I mean, we're in that crater site for like 20 seconds. It's not a big deal. And then also the beginning of watching the saucer uh, crash, that also is very short. So we have more time of the actual practical effects and how amazing they look on film um, than we do those two other things. So it's okay. So it balances it out. This is, and for me, an all-star cast, there's... Everyone is in this movie um, who's not in the film. Of course, Kurt Russell's in the film. Kurt Russell. This is, <laughs> uh, let's see, this was his third with Carpenter by this point because they'd already done the Elvis movie and they had done Escape from New York the year before. So this was their third time working together. And uh, everyone's favorite, Wilfred Brimley, which, you know, I love the fact that Wilfred Brimley, famous for his big mustache, this is the most famous movie he's in. He doesn't have the mustache in it. Yeah, he hasn't. And nor does he have diabetes. No, well, Di- diabetes. They might have, he might have got that from the thing. No, that's uh, true. And you also have uh, Keith David as child. He worked with Carpenter several times as well, uh, including on They Live. Uh, you have the guy, uh, Richard Masura. You know him. He's been in a, he was a character actor who was in a lot of things in the 80s. And he actually passed on E.T. to be in this movie. He could have been the Keys guy in, e- in E.T. that was chasing the little creature around, which would have probably been a better thing for him in terms of residuals, but who knows. Donald Moffat. Yep, he was playing Gary. And he always looks like, uh, what's his name, uh, James Cromwell. He always reminds me of him. The guy who was in Six Feet Under, he was in Star Trek, he was in a lot of different things, and he, this guy always reminds me of him. Yeah, He's one of those... Uh, he's also on Logan's Run. Yeah. So, he was in that TV show of that. He played the android. I think his name is like... Uh, Bim or something like that. Some yeah. android name. Yeah, he has a very strange android name in that. Uh, and the rest of the people are all pretty much character actors that you've seen on different things uh, throughout the years. But none of them really quite uh, you know, blew up or took off anywhere. But you'd recognize all of them from being in different character roles throughout the years. And the makeup is by now the elusive. Where are you? Where are you, Robotine? Where are you, Robotine? Where are you? We need to find you, and we have many questions for you. That someone's going to do a documentary of that sooner or later, where they're they're finding Robotine, and you're going to turn out he's like working at the McDonald's down the street from something. You know, it's going to be something crazy. He's entitled to his privacy. That's fine. I don't want to like. I get it, but at the same time, what a fucking talent! Like, wow. So talented. Yeah, and I, I guess maybe he just gave up and was like, look, all they're going to do is, pra- is CGI. They're not going to use practical anymore. Who cares? That's true. I mean, I, I get it, but it is it is sad. So everyone's name in this film, they all go like mostly, I'm going to assume it's mostly their last names. Yeah. Obviously, we, we know um, McCready's RJ McCready. But, but we still have no idea what that stands for. Yeah. Uh, McCready, um, Childs, Palmer, Clark, Knowles, um, Windows. I, I'm guessing that's not his last name. I think he just because he had he was the guy with glasses, so he gets to be Windows. Fuchs. Um, I love all their names, by the way. Yeah, everybody just has a cool name. They have, like I said, they all just go by that. And then there's Gary. <laughs> <laughs> 
You can tell who they didn't like much. They were like, ugh, Gary is so boring. We'll just call him by his first name. And Dr. Blair, who obviously is Wolfram Grimley. Yeah, now the other guy that was involved in this is uh, Bill Lancaster, who was the screenwriter for it. And, you know, people talk about, like, how much trouble this caused for Carpenter, that, like, Carpenter lost out on uh, Firestarter. He was supposed to do that right after this. But this Bill Lancaster, he never worked again after the thing. This was his last movie that he ever did. And despite the fact that he had some pretty successful movies before this, this just kind of ended out for him. Um, And if you're thinking like, ah, what did he do? Well, he had a run of successful movies in the 70s. He wrote all of the Bad News Bear movies that were so popular. They had a bunch of sequels, there was even TV shows. They made a ton of money and he was responsible for all of those. And, you know, other than that, he had worked on a few like TV shows, but The Thing was the last movie he ever did. He just pretty much retired out after that. And he actually wrote the script for, or a script for Carpenter's Firestarter, which from what I have heard would have had uh, Rob Bottin doing effects on it, because there's a lot of descriptions in that script of people bursting into flames. There's one where it says a person turns to a giant blister all over their entire body and pops. Ooh. So I'm pretty sure that was going to be Rob Bottin doing effects on that as well. And we didn't get to see that. So um, it was kind of a shame that he retired out because he did a great job with the script for this. And I, you know, you got to give him credit for being able to switch gears from going to the bat from the bad news bears to the thing. If you can successfully do that, you're a pretty talented writer, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he did have... Now, the 50s film and this film is different in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, There's... In the 80s and this version, there's not one... Everyone's a man. Yeah, there's there's no women. No woman. There's a woman in the 50s one. Yeah, she was a reporter that was brought up from somewhere else to do like a newspaper story back, you know, when they had newspapers. Yeah. About everyone at the base. And um, and then from the novella, which, I mean, it's the whole thing. They're out there. They f- find, you know, the ice. Carpenter's version is much similar, much more, I'm sorry, much more faithful to the novel or yeah. the novella. It's it's closer to that, whereas the other one, there was, there was no way they could do all these, like, shape-changing effects back in the 50s. So It's literally like... I don't know if he's on stilts or whatever. He looks like Frankenstein. No, that's uh, the guy who plays the the thing in the 1951 one is the guy from Gunsmoke that played Sheriff uh, Dillon. He, his name is James Arness, and he's like six foot nine. Wow. He's not on stilts. He's just huge. Uh, he's the brother of, uh, what's his name, uh, Peter Graves for the Mission Impossible movies. I don't know how you hold all of that information in your head. Obviously, it wasn't alive for any of these events, so I had no idea. So I just learned something along with you kiddos. Yeah. We just learned something now, together. Carpenter's version has And he's a lot fucking of... huge. You said he's six foot nine. Like, yeah. that's why I'm like, there's no way. I thought he was wearing those Frankenstein boots. He's no. massive. Yeah, he's a, he's a giant. That's why they picked him for it, literally, was that they, he was the tallest guy they could find. And that's why on, um, like on Gunsmoke... Every they were trying to hide the fact that he was. I mean, they, he's still taller than everyone on that. But if you watch a lot on Gunsmoke, people are standing like where you don't see their feet because they're standing on boxes. It's like forced perspective kind of yeah, thing. That yeah, that way you don't uh, Notice. realize that he's a giant. <laughs> yeah, and he definitely is a giant. There's a scene in the film where 
they're kind of all, I mean, the film's in black and white, so they have to obviously play on light and shadow in there, which adds, you know, Carpenter's obviously was in uh, color. So, but the dark and light whole thing, they play with that, and he's standing in the doorway, and everyone else, there's like four men looking. They're in the room, and they're looking out to the doorway, and all you see is the outline of this massive figure with light coming out behind him, which reminds me of the whole image that they have in the thing with the guy in the gear with the light. The of it with the light coming out. Yeah. Their homage to that. And there's a lot of little things in Carpenter's version from the 50s one as well. Like, uh, in the 1950s version, they go out and they find the saucer under the ice and they all line up to try. They're like, let's get everyone lined up to try and find the edge. And that's where they realize it's a perfect circle. And you see them doing that on the Norwegian tape in the when they're watching the tapes from the Norwegian camp, you see all of them line up in the circle like that. And the big giant block of ice that you find at the Norwegian camp, it was also from the 50s version, because they said in that one, they looked like the ship crashed and he came out of it and collapsed and then was frozen over in the ice. And that's why you see, you know, and even in the prequel, they show them cutting the creature out of the ice in a big block and bringing it in. Yeah. In the 50s version, I believe they laid an electric blanket on it by accident. And yeah, thawed and it, it. it thaws it out, and that's what starts all the... All the things. All the things. And in that... They no pun intended. To, yeah. They tried to make it in the 50s version, they tried to make it like a... It's a plant-based creature, and it's growing like little plants of itself, like little seed pods in their greenhouse, and like it steals the blood and is using the blood to like help grow the little creatures. So they, they did try to make it a little bit different than just a strange bug-eyed monster. They tried to give it like, oh, it's plant-based and you know, that's why the cold doesn't seem to bother it. Also the famous scene in that one where they set it on fire mm-hmm. and it runs and jumps out the window. You have that in the Carpenter version where after they do the blood test, he sets the one on fire and it jumps out the window, smashing through it. So th- th- he tried to do a lot of little homages to the 50s version in his too. Now, the novella, which was um, from 1938. Yeah. Now, that is a long, long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, you know, the whole, uh, I don't want to say thing, but that the unknown, you know, who who is like next door to you, who could be your enemy, someone that looks just like you, like the malintent. I mean, there's so many different things, like no penitent. There's so many different ideas that you can really like think and like put in a situation and the time frame that, like when the time frame when the novel came out and then and in, in the 50s, like the dawn of the Cold War, like, like that. Everyone was paranoid about in the 50s about, oh, is your neighbor a communist? Are they secretly a Russian agent? And that was the whole thing of Invasion of the Body Snatchers was, you know, oh, it's all about communism and the rise of people. You know, you don't know who your neighbors are. Are they secretly communists? They might be, but no one cared eventually. So this is uh, your favorite film. Yes, this is, this is hands down my favorite horror movie. This, um, uh, for your, one of your milestone birthdays, um, I recreated the thing. Yeah, she transformed the whole house into the, uh, Outpost 31. Yeah, the bottom, the downstairs was the outside. It had the whole gasoline tank and the snow all over the stairs. And, I mean, the, it, it actually was my favorite it was very nerve-wracking because it was a surprise party. It didn't tell you until like the day before that that was happening. 
Um, upstairs was transformed. We had the chess, you know, the computer chess going. We had chess old radios, dark games. I had the girls, the the, the posters of the girls on the wall. Yeah, um, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty. Uh, Spectacular. It was pretty, yeah, it was pretty fun. And then we had uh, Jello Shot blood samples. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And a uh, cake with a, a little wolf dog on it being chased by a, a moving helicopter. Yep, yep. So that went over well. Everyone yeah. had a great time with that. Everyone did have a really good time. The reason why I bought it up is because I just, I like, you love the film so much. Like, how I am with Halloween and we have to go back and actually redo Halloween because I didn't do it justice when because because we didn't actually do it on its own I don't think we did the whole we, we discussed all of them at the same time yeah. and I get very when I get pat when I'm passionate about something and then also the insomnia issues that I have like my brain isn't wired properly anymore and I get very like oh, and I get crazed and I, there's a rant and I'm not able to fully express how you know i feel about something or you know my passion overrides like my whole body so i like i like shut down and become a maniac <laughs> but like you you own like multiple versions it's like oh shit the dvd or the blu-ray broke that's fine i got it on vhs that's fine i got another blu-ray that's fine i got another i mean you got multiple versions well, of this. Still, copies I, mean, I, I should say I, I still have to go and eventually buy a region free player to play that one I won on that contest. I won the Arrow video version of it from England. It's like a deluxe box set. It comes with lobby cards, a book, everything, and I don't have an all-region player, which I need to invest in one sometime. Just so, but I hate to. I need like more foreign DVDs before I do that because I hate to buy it for just the one. <laughs> Anyone that listens to us overseas that you know just has extra ones laying around that maybe whatever we'll pay for the postage, just send it over. Send it over, we'd be happy to have it. <laughs> we'll uh, add it on to we have a lot of dead technology in the house. Yeah, we ha I, I need a laser disc player. We still have a couple of VCRs and other things, but yeah, I need to find a laser disc player somewhere. Uh, now, I first saw this movie, I didn't get to see it when it first came out, but I did read back at the time Starlog magazine serialized the original novella every month for several months before the movie came out they printed a couple of chapters of it and I read the original novella and was all excited to see the movie and then it came out and my mom was like oh no it's R-rated you can't go see that it's going to be way too scary and freaky damn it but eventually it came on HBO and I got to see it there so I didn't get to see it until whenever it came on HBO but uh, I already was excited to see it and knew I was going to love it because I love the story. But it just took me a little while longer to get to see the actual movie. Guys, when it came on HBO, it was probably like two years later. Because let me tell you, it's not like now where it's like the movie literally is in the theater. And then like two weeks later, it's like streaming somewhere. This is not how like life actually was back in the day. It was probably a year later. I'm not sure. I don't know if you can look that up or not. But it was it was a while later. I just wanted the people to know that this was in like... This was a big deal to have to wait for something that you were like anticipating and really wanted to watch. And then did you have to do like the sneak? Like did you have to do the sneak or did you were you just watching with your mom and she was like fine, we'll just watch it. Yeah, she was like if it gets real if you get real she was afraid I was going to freak out by it because she had heard like some of the things that went on with it and I was like, ah, "I'll be fine." Let me watch Alien. It was fine on that. So by the time I think she just didn't want to have to take me to the theater to see it, you know. So now most of these things are things that I'm going to point out that 
are like things that obviously if they were resolved at the moment we wouldn't have a fucking movie <laughs> there yes. would be no plot but at the beginning of the film after the saucer lands and we see the whole the helicopter that has the norwegian scientists whatever outpost four people they're going you know shooting at this dog and the dog is running away and then eventually you know the copter's down and the guy's like trying to kill this dog and now they're on outpost 31 which is where our movie begins and uh he's telling them like this is fucking dog is alien and killed my all my all my peeps and no one speaks norwegian no so that or part Keith David says do I look Norwegian to you Moana <laughs> so that whole part is just like oh no like he's telling you like don't fucking let that dog live kill that motherfucking dog and of course it's like a husky and Clark is like obsessed with the huskies like he has a whole he's the dog he's a dog handler yeah so. he has like five or six dogs or whatever you know and those are like his best friends and of course he's like aww buddy he's like nuzzling him he's like you know petting him and now you know now now we're fucked because now this thing is in camp and it is fucking malicious yeah and that dog is a great actor because that dog just walks around looking creepy as hell like looking at people gives them the evil eye it sees them going out to the camp it's looking like menacingly out the window and you're like damn this dog is a better actor than some people i've seen in other movies that dog's name is jed yep (laughs) <laughs> uh, and uh, they talked a lot about him on the making of they're like even Carpenter was like that was the best animal I've ever worked with <laughs> wow yeah cause that's like one of the children and animals and then obviously the elements or the things that are against the director cause they're just so fucking difficult to work yeah, with yeah they said that dog was amazing all they had as long as everyone was like calm and did their stuff didn't freak it out with loud noises he was fine um for me uh, and this has nothing to do with the movie per se. I just want to say that man, McCready is very attractive. Kurt Russell is just like, ooh, he's just wow. I want to be stuck in an article with him. <laughs> um, you know, you could be there too, but I, I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's it. I just, I just wanted to just basically state that he was just really good looking. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, this. There's a lot of people on this, they're like, I've heard that before, they're like, yeah, I'll be trapped in the Antarctic outpost. There's a lot of women, they're like, well, I'll trap in that outpost with them. There's all pretty good looking guys in there. Even the least good looking guys, fine. I'm only, I only want McCready, that's it. I only want McCready and the Jim Bean, and we're good. <laughs> we're good. Oh, oh, wait a second. And the hat. The hat, yeah. The yeah, hat is my hat. favorite. I fucking love that hat. I If I won the lottery, I would pay the $400 it costs to fucking have this hat made. It's like four to seven hundred. It's an, an, a crazy amount, but it's like oh, it no, makes it's available. You can buy it. It's still a crazy amount. It makes sense because the hat literally is like Noah's Ark. Like everyone could fit in the world in this hat. The hat is fucking huge. It is the largest hat I've ever seen in my life. It's uh, like okay, if you thought Fer- oh, what is his name? Farrell, 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 Farrell. If you thought Farrell was wearing a big ass hat, he that was like a mini version of that ridiculous hat that Pharrell wore for like, I don't know, three years, I feel like he wore that hat. Yeah, the description of the hat is, the unique hat styled after McCready and the Kurt Russell character in The Thing, 
It has a four-dent military style that has the largest dimensions we can make, a whopping six-inch crown and five-inch brim. They go from $425 all the way up to $850. So the hat can cost you close to $1,000. Worth every fucking penny. <laughs> Worth every penny, okay? Because this hat's just fantastical. <laughs> Do you have... I mean, it's been 40 years. If you have not seen this movie... Press pause. Come back to the jump. jump come back to jump scare. Jump back into jump scare. I just had to do something stupid, <laughs> and then watch the movie, and then come back, and then hear the rest of this because I mean that we're not. It's not. It's not a uh, spoiler free. It's been forty. Yeah, years. it's been forty years. If you haven't seen it by now, go see it. If ever, um, yeah, and do, don't go see it in one of those phantom events because that's a nightmare. No, it, it's over. So it's over. But yeah, they were not good. Now. And we saw it a few years back at the Tampa Theater. And that was and fabulous. It was fine because I think they still do uh, a lot on film. I don't think everything is, but I think that one might have been because it looked like it was a little... Um, it was a little grainy in spots and stuff, but that just kind of lent to it since it was. I think it was on film with that one. Now, if I... I would not be bringing back some inhuman. So when they go back to see, like, what the hell is up with this guy? Like, what is up with this? What is going on? They go back to the camp. And it's just, it's not good. It's like an event horizon. It's like, you, it's like no, it's, this, nothing good happened here. This is all yeah, terrible. You, you go into the camp and you see, like, there's just axes and walls. It's burned down. There's a guy with his wrist slit just sitting in front of the radio. And you're like, nope, nope, nothing good happened here. All that's fucked up. But, and I understand Blair, like, he's, he's a doctor, okay? So, in any regard, he's like a scientist. He wants to, like, find out whatever. I don't know. No and no. Did you see that thing? Okay? It was horrifying. It yeah, it's was... In the, it's in the pit outside where they tried to burn it. Yeah, it's There's all burned. It's frozen and, like, it, it, it's, like, it's just terrible looking. It's just, I'm not bringing that back. But they had to pick that thing up, put it Someone in had to touch that. And put it in a bag and carry it back to the base. It's like, no. See, now this would all be a lot easier because they can just take digital pictures of it with their phones and then get the hell out of there and take pictures back to show everyone. You want to do a show and tell? You want to find out? You fucking operate right there. Get the scalpel out get the and just cut that motherfucker open and that's it. Do it right there. Don't bring it back to where we're at. Like, no. hello, not a good idea. This don't, is a terrible idea. Don't bring the creepy alien remains back to your house. I don't know how many times we have to tell people that, but... Apparently one more because they do it in every movie. They're like, nope, let's just drag it back. It'll be fine. Is it just American arrogance? And I say that because obviously they're on foreign land. You know, they're not America. Um, to think like they see all of this horror and they're just like, eh, it's fine. It's not going to happen to us. You we'll know? Right. We, we got this covered. They didn't have flamethrowers there. We do. Yeah, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. It's like, no, you're not going to be fine. You're not going to be fine because you have no idea what the fuck you're in for until they put the dog. And, and this is the saddest part of the movie for me. You know, I'm never, I like, I don't go out of my way to watch films that have like some kind of animal get hurt or tortured or anything like that. But if it happens, I'll, I'll, I'm able to sit through it. Okay. I'm going to get through. But I cringe every time because all the other dogs are also good actors because they're whimpering, they're fucking afraid. It's not good times. 
and it's like this one of the scare i mean obviously it's the first introduction to the thing and it's horrifying yeah he when the when the dog starts when the camp starts changing and like he's like shooting tentacles out at him and then he's like spraying some kind of liquid from Ew, his mouth. the spray is so gross it looks yeah, that's like the worst part of it when you see that you're just like oh it's just grabbing him with the tentacles is one thing but you have to spray him with bodily fluids like is it spitting on them? Is it bleeding, pissing on them? I don't know what it is, and I don't want to know. Just keep me out of it. And the genius of the animals, like when they, when he go, when he first enters, like, and he just sits down. And he's looking at them. You see the dogs, like they're smelling him. And they're like, nope, 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 nope. This is this is not it. This is not good. This is this is not this is not a dog. Like they know right off the bat, this motherfucker sus. Like, yep. <laughs> We're not. It's not gonna go down. Clark, Clark, come help us Clark, out. Please kill the dog, Clark. <laughs> and then Clark is so, he's so sad. That part is so sad. Because yeah, his poor friends. And, yeah, it's bad times for all the dogs. Even later on when they're like, oh, they managed to save a few of them. But now that's when Blair goes crazy and kills all the dogs. I'm like, well. Why did he kill the dog? I guess in case, you know, they couldn't get out with the dog sleds. But yeah. still, it was just rough times to be a dog on that base. It was bad enough for the people, but at least they had a shot. The dogs got killed off right away. Yeah, I mean, once they discover that this thing is able to clone itself and, you know, become whatever it is that they want to become, it wants to become, then it's like the trust. Perry wants paranoid. Like, I can't trust you. I don't even know. Are you the thing? Like, you don't know. You know, who goes there? You know, are you McCready or your thing McCready? Um, so, you know, and that obviously is carried throughout the whole film. Is there a certain scene that you just love out of all the other scenes? Uh, the blood test has always been a favorite of mine. And the uh, part where they're, uh, where, uh, what's his name, uh, has a heart attack. And Blair jumps up on him to uh, give him the, you know, he's going to do the, uh, what do you call it, the defibrillator. He hits him with the defibrillators. That's when his chest just cracks open, turns to a giant mouth, and bites his arms off. And then after they torch the body, you get like the, uh, the, most, the most popular lines of the movie where you have the guys that realize the head has grown spider legs and eyes and starts to crawl away. And then you hear the guy do the, you gotta be fucking kidding. Yeah, everybody remembers that part of it because that's one of the greatest lines of all time. <laughs> I know, that's your favorite line. <laughs> and then the blood test is, the thing with the blood test is I always know, because obviously after you've seen it the first time, you know who's gonna be the thing. But if there's long enough in between your viewings of it, you're kind of like, is he? Is this the part where he's the one or not? You can't necessarily remember. So, you you know, it's a little bit of a shock as soon as he puts the hot needle into the blood that jumps out and runs away. Like, it literally just grows legs and runs away. And you're like, yeah. oh, shit. You know, uh, the fucked up shit happening in my brain, I actually always forget who the thing is. So I'm like watching that scene for the most part for like the first time, you know, I, I never try to like focus in who it is because I know obviously it's one of them, but it's like kind of new for me when I, and I've seen the movie. I mean, I got to see the movie. I, I haven't seen the movie as many times as you have and I haven't seen the movie obviously as many times as I've seen Halloween. I mean, I've had Halloween in the background and I'm like, 
cleaning, you know, washing dishes. Um, but I've seen it enough times. But yeah, that scene, both scenes are are great scenes. The whole fucking film is great. There's yeah. nothing besides the two things that we mentioned earlier with the graphics, which is yeah. a sign of the times. I mean, everything else is just perfect. Yeah, and you know, for, I don't know if anybody else out there has read this, but there is a book that came out in the '80s by a guy. I think his name is Greg Bear. He wrote this book called Blood Music, and it's about someone that develops a serum. And he ends up—I don't remember if he takes it on purpose or accidentally—but it's kind of like the thing because it causes every cell in his body to become intelligent. Like so, literally, he has like millions or billions of like intelligent creatures inside of him after that to where they're all talking to him at once and they're all trying to reach like a consensus of what they should do and he eventually starts like going and leaving like pieces of himself places so that it'll spread to other people and he's just spreading himself across the whole world where every cell of everything will be like a hive mind thing it's very creepy so yeah I've always thought that'd be a good one to turn into a movie but it's just kind of one of those ones that fell by the wayside. People don't talk about a lot anymore. Now, the obviously um, Campbell's story is fucking a science fiction classic. And, I mean, he's a classic man himself. He's one of the forefathers of science fiction. Yeah, um, he did a lot of editing and different things for books as well. So, yeah. yeah, he did a lot. There's magazine astounding stories and, yeah, shit ton of stuff. Now... In saying that, and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, the a, a lot of other TV shows, especially TV shows, have picked up on this and used this formula to very good show. I'm sorry, I stumbled on that one there. They've all been pretty good. The ones that have been copied off of this, they've done their homages, some more than others. But yeah, they've all been pretty good. Now the X Files. Deep beneath the Arctic Circle, an ancient terror sleeps. Nothing can survive for a quarter of a million years. Waking it was their first mistake. Trying to stop it could be their last. The X-Files don't watch it alone. Put it down! Friday at 9, 8 central. That's like straight up the thing. Yeah, they actually, I don't think they go to Antarctica in that one. They go like somewhere up in Alaska. But they still go to a cold area. They've dug something up from the ice. It infects people. They start acting weird and that. And that was one of the first season X-Files episodes. And I think that was one of the ones when a lot of like people who were kind of on the fence about X-Files were like, okay, this is this is really good. They, you know, they actually did their homage to the thing. There's even dogs in that one. Mm-hmm. Because Duchovny ends up, I think he adopted one of the dogs in real life. And yeah, that was a great episode because they, you know, it goes with the whole paranoid of, I think their line in that one is, you may not be who you are. Mm. So they start, you know, you got that one. I always enjoyed that one a lot. And another one that surprisingly did it, uh, the third season finale of Deep Space Nine was called The Adversary. An enemy. I want that changeling found so powerful. The weapons array is activated. The ship's no longer under our control. So elusive. Could look like anything. So devious. Dominion is hoping to start a war. When the battle is over, initiate auto-destruct sequence. The war has just begun. Don't you see? You've lost. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. 
And in it, you have one of the aliens called the Changelings that can change shape, gets on board the Defiant with the crew, and is running around trying to sabotage the ship and murder the people. And they actually do the blood test scene in that, where they go from person to person taking blood samples, because in that, if you take a sample from the Changeling, it won't just be blood, it'll turn back into little blobs that they normally look like. Yeah. Oh, the X-Files episode is called Ice. Ice, yeah, sorry. Which... Hello. Yeah. Um, now, the adversary, the Deep Space Nine episode. Yeah. So, yes. You know, um, yeah, they do their, they check the blood with the tricorder, the tricorder readings. Yeah, it's hard to tell it's actual changeling with the, uh, with the tricorder, but they are able to, when, like I said, they, if you pull a piece of the, uh, the changeling off, it reverts back to the little gelatinous blob. So that's why they, when they take the blood, they wait for the thing to, you know, is it going to stay regular blood or will it turn into a little blob? And what's uh, hilarious to me on that one is one of the guys in that is uh, another one that you would recognize from famous sci-fi movies. His name is Ken Marshall. He plays one of the security officers in it, and he was the lead in Krull. He played the guy with the glaive that went around in it. And it's just kind of funny that years later, the guy from Krull, which came out the same year as, I believe it came out the same year as the thing. Oh, no, it was the next year. But you got that guy in it, and then he's, you know, been in a few science fiction things now. Now, Odo, who's being played by Rene Aubergenois. Yes. He is a changeling. Yeah. So he's already a shapeshifter on board. Now we have this other evil thing, one. evil one, that's able to do that. And so that one had kind of like a different dynamic. It was like, I'm not like this. Like, I'm not evil, you know? And he has like, I don't want to hurt anyone. I've never hurt anyone. Like, and, and I'm a security officer and I've been in this, whatever. He has his whole like monologue. But this other thing is, is trying to... You know, he has his reasons, and he's trying to do the thing, and he's shape-shifting. And let me tell you, the graphics on that, I mean, you know, this is what's crazy. Practical effects, if they're done, obviously, really well, they can stand the test of time. CGI effects, they're literally, you when you want, when you look at them, they do not, they do not, you know. Now I'm looking at, like, films now where, like, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm blowing the fuck away. I'm like... Who's to say in 10, 20 years, shit, five years, this may look like hot garbage, you know? Yeah, because the, the shape-shifting effects in that are like, ooh. It's it's rough. Yeah. Close to 30 years ago, this was probably fine. But now you look at it and go, oh, no. And plus, you know, back at the time, you were looking at an old TVs that weren't high definition or any of that. So it looked a lot better when it was, you know, a little blurry and uh, of course the area where I live they almost always screwed up the when they showed Deep Space Nine sometimes the sound would be off the picture would be messed up so you didn't notice it as much back then but now you sure do now the one of the quotes is he could replace any one of us and we wouldn't know until it's too late bom, bom, bom. Yep. and then like what is the whole like what is the thing and both are in, in the film and the thing what is the and we never get to know what the end like motivation or like what the end result is for the creature what was it the creature because we never actually talk to the creature no like it never like addresses anyone and says like i'm just i don't mean to harm you or whatever it never says anything it just i'm sorry it just literally like ate someone inside out the bitch meant to harm somebody well you know like 
It's no, like, I know what you mean. <laughs> it never comes out and says, like, I didn't want to do this. You know, I'm just scared and trying to get out of here. No, you never hear anything from its point of view. You don't even know if it, what it thinks. Like, how does it think? Well, in the 82 version, the version we're discussing today, um, the doctor, Blair, is building a spaceship. He's trying to rebuild, he's trying to build his own spaceship. Yeah. So he's trying to get the fuck out of there. So, yeah. like, I, there you go. So, I guess that's the whole thing. But was he trying to leave the planet, or was he trying to just leave Antarctica? That's a good question. But if I came from, like, a planet that was, like, mad cool and didn't have, like, these weird, like, two-legged things walking around, <laughs> like, destroying the planet, I would not want to be there. I would be like, I'm gone. Like, if the planet was, like freaking uh an amazing like tropical place i'm out like i'm not trying to stay and for that matter what is it we never really know what the thing actually looks like what's its real appearance it's it's probably it's pro okay now wait don't don't get mind blown okay i'm gonna take it real science sciencey right now it's probably like how the scientists now say oh yeah there's like life forms on mars or whatever but they're like microscopic life forms so like, and everyone's like, oh, whatever, I'm not worried about that. It's not the fucking grays. That's cool. No, I'm, I'm more scared about the microscopic fucking life forms because those bitches, you don't know what their fucking intent is. They could just go up my nose and that's it. Now I'm a fucking alien. Like I, I got thinked. <laughs> the grays, they're trying to do butt stuff. Okay, I'm not, I'm not cool with that either, but at least I see they're not trying to be, I mean, well, they are trying to be inside of me, but you know what I mean. It's different. They're trying to take you over from the inside. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's different. So no, I think, I think that something to that, it has to be that small or maybe a little larger, but it's obviously not this massive humongous thing because I mean, fuck, we don't know because they're right. We never see it. It's just a dog. Like and we, we just see it. We know they have technology, they have a spaceship, they go places, but... And then who's the first one? So, okay, I don't remember the one with, uh, what's her face, a girl from, uh, Scott Pilgrim, Elizabeth Winstead. I don't remember anything from that film because I saw it and I did immediately deleted it off my head. So, that, that whole, who was the first one to get infected in that film? I don't remember on that one who got infected. I remember... Not that it matters, because it's a prequel, and it really has nothing to do with the thing. Like, you know what I mean? It's not in, its, it's not in the same world, per se, so we'll never really know who was the first one, because they do have... I guess that's the whole thing with, like, Event Horizon, because that's kind of like the thing, in a sense. Right? We never really know. We just see through the tapes what they did, the yeah. videos that the Norwegians took. We see them with the whole wrapping around the crater yeah. to see the size, now, them bringing the creature in. One thing I'll say for the 2011 one was they did a really good job of like recreating the Norwegian camp and showing like, this is you know, when they come in, when McCready and Blair come in and there's like a, or not Blair, the uh, the doctor, uh, Blair's the uh, Wilford Brimley. When then the doctor come in and they see like an ax sticking in the door and then they see the guy with his wrists cut in front of the radio they did a good job of like recreating those scenes and showing you what happened in them, showing you how the creature got burned, showing how the block of ice mm. got broken and that kind of stuff. I remember they did a pretty good job setting all that up, but it was like a lot of the work was already done for you. You knew where it was supposed to be. You just had to wait for it to see it happen, you yeah. know? So that was one of the things I liked about that version. Now, the Futurama, which you kind of touched base on. The Futurama, I, had, I saw it really long time ago, and then I saw it again recently. Yeah, they and did one called Murders on the Planet Express, 
and Hilarious. they are going to a team building exercise and they end up picking up a hitchhiker who turns out to be a shape-shifting creature that begins eating the crew one at a time. He eats, he shapeshifts and he eats the people, like the whole, like yeah, his whole swallows. body opens up into like a big mouth and he just swallows them whole. Yeah, and then at the end of the episode, they find out that, oh, now this is the, the one guy's like, yeah, that's my friend. He's a shapeshifter. We work on these team building exercises together. Everyone's fine. They're all up in the bridge right now eating pizza and having a good time. Yeah, and you don't know. It, they, like, uh, Bender and Fry. Fry. They're like, we don't know if that's real. Like, So they just fucking shoot the shit out of him and kill him. They shoot him until there's nothing left Until dust. there's dust and then they shoot the dust. <laughs> and it just dissipates. And then when like, finally someone comes in and is like, Hey, you guys going to come up to the bridge and have pizza? The rest of us are having a great time. Hey, what happened to like, what Gary or whatever his name was that was doing the team building? They're like, yeah, we don't know. He just left. Now, what's what I love <laughs> about that episode is it's such a classic throwback to like, well, for me anyways, I don't know if that was the intent, but he's part of that generation. So I'm going to say yes. Of the old like TV shows that would have like their weird Halloween episode or like the random weird episode that was like very like out of the fucking blue like the science fiction episode there's always a random weird episode in like old TV shows where like everyone dies or some crazy shit happens to the characters and you're like oh my god what the fuck and in the end it's like oh just kidding everyone's fine wink wink it was just a dream or it was all just joke you know what I mean yeah, but the creepy Punky Brewster episode where they're all trapped in the cave or what? You know, some of the other creepy shit that happened on these old shows. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that too. I just love the fact that they just, you know... Bender's, Bender gets ears? Yeah. He's like, hey, when did you get ears? I've always had ears. He's like, ah, crap. And then just, you know, he turns to the creature and eats her. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that. how you know. And then... And yeah, and then the shapeshifter runs away, but then it's back in the room. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's the part that kills me. It just keeps it's, coming back and, like... But he, he, you never see it enter it because it's it already inhabited the person who's just already standing there. Yeah. So, like, but he leaves the room, like, the fucking door opens and he exits. So it's like, how the fuck is he back in the room <laughs> and in already someone else's body? And now that person eats the next person. Like, I mean, I, obviously the episode is only so many. It's, like, what, 30 minutes long? Yeah. Like, so they can't be there forever. They're just taking them out mcmasters was the business consultant oh okay okay mcmasters and then in the end here we are just watching tv casually and oh no there's a news report <laughs> and the news report is mcmasters missing. he's missing they and there's a, million, a reward they offer a million dollar reward or for information leading to the arrest of the person or they offer a special deal if someone comes forward that's involved with the, <laughs> if the murder and implicates another person, they'll get immunity and $2 million. And you see Bender and Fry just looking at each the other fucking, on the couch. Like, they're doing uh, a fucking squinty eye side to side because they were just having a conversation on how they would never rat the other one out. That's <laughs> like, who's going to get to the cops first? <laughs> I it's, love it because that ends it on the same note as the the thing ends of the like what's going on who's yeah. gonna instead of who's the thing it's like who's gonna go rat on the other one first. Oh goodness! And you know, and of course, what has happened over the years with the film um, is the ending. There's uh, in the nerdy uh, film community, horror film community, or sci-fi community, all the communities. <laughs> 
they have all been fighting it out for years over who was the thing. Who was the thing? Who was the first one to be infected? Because you see the dog go into a room and there is an outline of someone and you don't see, you just kind of see the shadow like move and reach down towards the dog. So you don't know. We find out later it wasn't Clark. So it was one of the others, but we don't know who the first one to be infected was. But we did, there was McCready's jacket or shirt was all torn up, like, you know, in the film. But did someone plant that just to implicate McCready? But we never know if it's planted or not, or did it get him? Now, the whole time that we've discussed this, the whole time we're saying Childs is the thing for several different reasons. He doesn't have breath, like... He, he brought, I think there was like one thing of breath that he has, but then there's no breath. And then what's yeah, the you, other thing? You don't really see him like, you know, uh, I've heard people say, well, when you get cold enough that your body temperature equals out to what's there, you won't see your breath anymore. It's like, well, we were seeing Kurt Russell's and he was doing the same kind of, he was in the same area. So you'd think you'd be seeing his breath too. But there's also uh, the theory that the bottles that he's carrying at the end are some of the uh, Molotov cocktails that they had made where yep. they had put the gasoline into the old whiskey bottles and were throwing it. And he's just carrying it around like opened. So one of the theories is is that there's gasoline in that. And when he passes it to Childs and Childs just takes a drink and doesn't be like, what the fuck is this? You see McCready start to laugh and sit back and he's like, okay, he knows he's the alien because he doesn't know what whiskey would taste exactly. like. He literally chuckles the second that child's fucking swallows like it's like to the second like boom i took the sip and i swallowed and then he chuckles and he fucking like lays back and then they're like you know talking like we'll see who's we'll just now, wait and see what happens okay so for me the thing would never harm the thing that doesn't i know it doesn't make sense but like if the thing is McCready, he would just... It, it's never been shy about eating the fucking person and taking the person out. It's always been like, hey, this is me. This is what I'm doing now. Yeah. Like, there's never been like, you know, oh, whatever. Now, McCready, he obviously isn't the thing because, like you said, that whole uh, thing with the bottle, which I totally, yeah, he's laughing because he's like... You don't know what that fucking tastes like. You know, yeah, you don't know it's gasoline. You don't know it's gasoline. Because you're an alien. You don't know what it's supposed to taste like. And then, and then he's like, yeah, and I'm going to blow you. And then he's just going to fucking blow his ass up. Yeah, or he's just going to sit there and they're going to freeze to death because whatever. You know, you don't really know. You don't know. But you know who does know? John Carpenter. And he has said that he is going to die with that knowledge because he is never going to fucking release who the thing is but is he gonna pull uh is he gonna pull uh a walt disney and in the end he just says kurt russell and everyone's like like, god damn it i knew it was him (laughs) when we saw carpenter i always remember that girl that asked him like so do you know who the thing is he's like yes i definitely know who it was and she's like oh he's like oh i'm not gonna tell you next question yeah, he's going on with his life. It's like Carpenter. You could have at least said, "Nah, I don't know who it is." Something, but no, he just said, "Oh yeah, I know exactly who it was." He would never make it, Kurt Russell. It's impossible for Kurt Russell to be the thing because he would have just taken him out. Like he would have just eaten fucking Childs. Now, mind you, Childs could just take him out too, 
but I, I don't know. Like maybe he was like, "I'll try and play it cool," and like if there's a rescue or something, I'll or get he out sleeps of here. because we saw that dog sitting in the middle of the room. He was just sitting there. He didn't have to get up and go to eat in front of each and every single dog to get him. He had his little yeah. wispy fucking arm weird fucking tentacle things fucking flying around. He All he needs to do is just spit out one of those little tentacle things into fucking McCready's boot. He's right there. They're like inches from each other. And just that's it. You're infected. Now you're fucked. You know? And well, now name. you're doubled. Our band name should be McCready's Hat. McCready's Hat. That's our band name. Do not fucking steal this band name people in the world this is our band name now mccready's hat the greatest hat and greatest band of all time what's the movie that has mccready's as a store in the background uh that's uh slither or yeah mccready yeah it's in slither because the guy is named mccready and it is just like mccready's general store yeah so yeah that one's uh that one's james gunn did that one in like 2006 i think it came out yeah, that movie, that one's pretty good, too. I always like that. It is a very good movie. So, yeah, we've seen The Thing. Who goes there in TV shows? They've done their homages. Obviously, you know, this is one of the few films, like I started stating in the beginning, that has a good, you know, this is how you do a remake or revisioning or whatever you want to call it correctly. You just expand from the original and just make it better like now who's to say that it's going to be better because obviously they you know the 50s they were very limited you know but it's just john carpenter rob Bottin, like the whole team's like genius of putting all this together and just creating a fresh new amazing story you know like the fly another the original fly i prefer the original fly more than I prefer who goes there. Um, I I think the original fly is fly. <laughs> and but you know, then you have Cronenberg's the fly, and that's just like mind blowing. It, it's amazing to me that like three of the best remakes of all time, the originals were all made in the fifties and remade in the eighties with the thing, the blob and the fly. Because it's all people that loved it when they were kids and they saw that shit and that's what fucking probably inspired them to like become filmmakers or whatever because that's, you know, their imagination was expanded because, you know, uh, like you've told me, you know, comic books, they were banned and seen whatever and, you know, science fiction that was like so looked down upon and like, you know, you had to hide that shit or just sneak it, you know, in and stuff like that. So it was just, you know, even in Back to the Future, there's a whole scene where Michael J. Fox has to pretend to be, uh, you know, astronaut, whatever, alien from another planet uh, because he's reading Crispin Glover's character. His father is reading, the, you know, those science fiction magazines and short stories and stuff. And that's what gives him the power to go and ask the mom to the prom and shit. But even then, like that was a big thing, like an influence, yeah. you know? So it's like the influence those filmmakers to make it. And then they fucking made something fantastical. Yeah. They took everything that they loved and just made it better. And then, and then they couldn't do it again because you, you can't, you can't, you can't pull it off. I would never see a remake of the thing. It's not going to be good. I'm, I don't care who does it. It's not going to be, you could get 
I, I don't. It's never going to be good. Well, what amazed me was they when they when they remade it, they did all practical effects again. They were like, "Hey, we're going to do all practical again." They watched it and said, "Nah, replace them with digital," and then just dumped all the practical effects. Ended up being used at the Universal Halloween Horror Nights out in California. Yeah, can we just see the film with the practical effects? It's, it's more there. than just the it, practical a version of it that exists. Well, no, yeah. I know yeah. that's just put it out. I would buy that just to see it. A lot of it is there's so many different gears, you know, that all interplay one another to create the whole, you know, it's a big machine and the machine is just that you have to have the right cast, you know, the effects, the story, you know, the director's vision, like all of that. And it's hard to recapture that, you know, it's like lightning in a bottle, you know, and could it be done again? Maybe, I don't know. But probably not. <laughs> a classic is a classic for a reason. And just let it be a classic. You know, because when you look in Google, the first thing that's going to come up is going to be the most recent thing. And it's going to be, you know, the worst one. And I don't mean the thing. I meant just like the recent yeah. version of a film. Now, speaking of, we talked about a lot of the TV homages to this. Some of the films that have been uh, of this homages to this too are when we covered this one was leviathan oh yes that's just the thing underwater it's literally a little creature that invades people's bodies turns them into monsters pretty good it was released during the year of when there were all the aquatic movies were coming out when you had like uh deep star six the abyss everything was coming out that year and of course i think the ultimate movie homage to the thing is uh quentin tarantino's the hateful eight because you even get Kurt Russell back in that one to be a guy trapped in a freezing cold area with a bunch of people who may not be what they seem. And you even have, you know, Ennio Morricone doing leftover music from The Thing, using that in it, and actually winning an Academy Award for it, which, you know, he didn't get the first time around. It's ironic because everyone hated the soundtrack the first time around when it came out. Well, everybody hated the movie in general, but... Well, yeah, that too, because, you know... People are stupid. Well, this is amazing to me that this movie came out the same day as... Blade Runner came out the same day as this movie. And then either the week before or the week after, E.T. came out. So it's like all these like sci-fi things came out in such a short time from each other. And then, you know, Blade Runner and The Thing both bombed. Nobody cared about those at the time. Years later, everybody loved them. But, you know, the general public didn't catch on at first. But E.T. just took over that whole summer. There was nothing going on but E.T. that summer. Which is wild because if you think about it, and you know what? I'm going to just solely put it, it's not because the storytelling was bad or anything dealing with the movies were bad. It's literally that that was for a certain kind of person, a certain group, and a certain age. E.T. is for everybody. A kid yeah. that's going to allow you to have bring your kids and your kids are going to be able to view it, that's going to be fucking boom, hit right there. You know, yeah, you got a rated R movie and I don't know what Blade Runner was, but rated are. R. That's very no, limited. Yeah, you were ne- the thing was never going to get a PG-13. It Hell was no. Get R. And it doesn't deserve it. Yeah. it, it I wouldn't, Blade Runner could have probably pulled off a PG-13, to be quite honest. Maybe, but it, it it it's too over the top for a kid. It's yeah. too over their head. It wouldn't have been good for kids, but yeah, that's the thing. Is E.T. was just the family-friendly film that took everything... You know, by storm that year, and it's just they had the unfortunate to be released right before it, 
So no one cared. I think a lot of the films that we love, like in the horror genre, are overshadowed by other films. Same thing happened in The Monster Squad. Yeah. And I mean, I love that film. So I I don't want to hear any. Yeah, weirdly, Carpenter's Halloween is one of the few that was released, you know, that came out to be a big deal, like, right away. And, you know, most of Carpenter's stuff seems to kind of, like, have to set a while before people love it, but except for Halloween. Because no one had seen shit like that. Yeah. And, and everyone was like, there was a bloodbath. And there's, like, one drop of blood in the whole fucking movie. Yeah, everybody's just freaked out by it. But... It's a bloodbath. It's crazy. Because we did have uh, Texas Chainsaw. Again, not a lot of blood in that, but people... That movie people is more horrifying to me than... I mean, mind you, I'm probably desensitized because, I, like I've said, I've seen Halloween so many times. But there's a lot of... I don't want to say noir, but there's a lot of like light and shadow in that film. And, you know, it's just... It's so good. The way that they light the mask, you know, coming out of the shadows. You know, the whole thing of... It could be anyone, you know, that, yeah. that, you know, who you don't know who lives next door to you. You don't know who, what's going on, you know, what's in, in the fucking shadows. I just love it. It's just so good. Such a good film. But yeah, that did scare. I wish, because I've heard the audio of the people that watched it the night that it came out yeah. from the 70s. And the audio is just fantastic. It's just such a, you know... It's so thrilling to hear like people's reactions to something like that, and I wish I could just transport myself. If I had a fucking time machine, that's the first place I'm going. <laughs> I'm going back to that, you know, New York. I'm in New York. Um, well, it was actually Kansas City, I think, that they opened it up. Well, they opened up in Kansas City. Yes, yes, yes. I'm saying I'm I'm in my hometown, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be in New York when it opens up in New York. Fine, I'll go to Kansas City. I guess I I probably wouldn't go in Kansas City. <laughs> no offense to Kansas City but yes I would like to have uh, experienced that that would have been cool so obviously this is a four knifer for me it was never going to get any less than that um I, I we have to give it a rating we are obviously it's a it's an this is a special edition of Jump Scare 40th anniversary of the thing yep the and movie that Chad loves I also give it um I give it four blood samples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, four huskies. We could, uh, we could do so many different ratings for this. Uh, I also give it four knives. Can we do higher than four knives? I guess nah, I guess we can't do higher we'll than just, four we'll knives. We'll just top it off there. You know, did you love the thing? Have you seen the thing? Do you love the thing? Do you want to be the thing? Um, we have seen some badass in person and obviously, you know, online uh renditions costumes interpretations of the thing cosplay i mean people just get really creative with it and when you see it it's just like wow that looks fucking great you know what would be amazing if robo teen just came out like you know sometime before the year ends he just came out and like was it like texas frightmare or something you know one of these fucking conventions and he's like mccready you know, or he has like some crazy rendition where he's because you know there's so many photos of him where he's like in the makeup. Yeah, <laughs> and it's him walking around being you know the thing or his his cosplay of the thing. That'd be great. That'd be magical. Well, I told you I, I saw that article where uh, Hugh Jackman went as Wolverine to a comic convention, not in California, but it's like somewhere randomly in the U.S. 
walked around all day and everyone just said, man, that's a great costume. Like no one, they just assumed that the, the real Hugh Jackman wouldn't be at a comic convention exactly. like in Wisconsin walking around and like no one realized it was him all day. That'd be amazing to find out that Rob Bottin's been doing that for years. That would be actually pretty, I, I, yeah, I, I would, I would, I would love to know that that was a real thing. <laughs> now the drinking game for you guys before we say sayonara is how many times did i say the thing in this podcast or some variation every time i say it or shad says it you have to take a shot and with saying that thank you so much for joining us on our special episode of the 40th anniversary of the thing stay tuned to the horror what do we do why don't we just Wait here for a little while. See what happens. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.